What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Run Your Mouth podcast. It's been uh, too long since we got together. We broadcasted. We did a solo episode. But, you know, I wasn't going to miss Cinco de Mayo. If there was one day that I wasn't going to not podcast, it's uh, the 5th of May, which is a day people go out, get hammered, and I'm still not sure why. But then again, it's not like I'm that immersed in uh, Latin, South American, maybe Mexican culture. That's how little bit I know about this one. Maybe I could go down to the border greet all the people arriving across and get a better understanding of what this Cinco de Mayo holiday is all about. All right, before we get into it, and this might be one of the most dense run-your-mouth episodes that you guys have ever been a part of. Oh, we're going to be taking down everybody today. Let's shout out our sponsors. Wrong direction. Let's start with YoKratom.com, home of the $6 kilo, the only place in the entire world you can get yourself an entire kilo of Kratom. Or if you're like me, you like your you like yourself some uh, some nice gummies, you're over the age of 21, you can go to YoDelta.com, get yourself a big old bag of gummies. You get that big old bag size of gummies, you probably get a whole year's supply of gummies. You use my promo code RYM, you get yourself 20% off. You get a, you, you just stash that thing in the freezer, you get yourself two. One for uh, when our currency collapses and one for right now. That might be enough weed for your entire summer. So uh, go support YoKratom.com. If you're into kilo, only place you're going to get that shit for 60 bucks for a kilo. Or YoDelta.com. You get yourself some gummies. They got new vape pens. I'm excited to try them. They're, they're, uh, the YoKratom, the Yo YoDelta people are trying to make being high more convenient than ever. And now they got all sorts of uh, brand new disposable vape pens. Uh, you got to go fact check me on this, like everything else. I think if you use my promo code, they're going to cost like 20 bucks. So go get yourself some vape pens. Stock up. All right. Let's get into uh, some news because, uh, like I said, it's been a couple days since we solo casted. We got all sorts of stuff coming in. And uh, here, we actually got the intel on uh, Cinco de Mayo. Mexicans beat French 1862, May 5th. All right. I guess they beat the French and then they got to go on to keep being just Mexico. You know, like at least here when we beat the. Uh, the, the, the English, we went on to be great for a while until the Institute of Federal Reserve and, you know, fucked up everything from there. But at least we had a good stretch. All right, here we go. Today's topics is Brittany Griner, the coolest man in America, and is Tiger Woods the dad? She finally came back. I'm pretty sure that's a dude that's playing basketball. And that, that's disrespectful, but, you know, God bless. All right. Anyways, with the recent AI advancements, how to know if you're secretly in love with the robot? Guys. Got to be ser- careful with all this AI stuff on there. You spend too much time with these chatbots. Next thing you know, you're in love with someone that's not even a person. You're showing up thinking you're meeting up with a real human pers- person only to get raped by a robot. And uh, speaking of that topic, will Donald Trump share his wall-pushing techniques with the American people? I mean, if there's ever been uh, an article of how to get laid techniques that we all need, it's from Donald Trump, who, my God, can that man close. Does not take no for an answer. You're not allowed to make comments like this. If anything, I should get like a secondary character, like a puppet type doll to make those. You're not supposed to say things like that. Even I'm uncomfortable with that one. I don't stand by it. Editor, producer man, make a note that we should, that, that one shouldn't be going out there. Uh, the Rushler, the Russian sparklers in the skies. Is there anything the FBI doesn't have in its secret safes? And then lastly, the nanorobots Ron DeSantis is installing in Florida's public bathrooms to detect meat, male fecal matter in the ladies' restrooms. Because uh, they're instituting laws of uh, who can poop, when and where. You know, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm actually enjoying this topic because I think it's about time that, you know, we bring a little bit more awareness 
to just general bathroom access. I think, if anything, maybe this whole thing will just lead to an increase in bathrooms. I've been out here, I've been talking about this uh, for a long time. My signature issue is an increase in the amount of bathrooms out there. You know, there's all this talk about handicapped people. There's not enough people with weak Jewish stomachs. There's not enough advocacy for those of us with irritable bowel syndrome. We're an overlooked group. I mean, you got handy rails for the handicap. You've got increased parking. But uh, is there is there specialty bathroom access for those who can't eat fast food? No, there isn't. And so, if anything, maybe this whole trans debate will bring us to a larger debate where we talk about government resources going into better bathroom access for everyone. I'm talking about equal bathroom access, not just for the random trans person. You think there's more trans people out there than there are people out here with weak stomachs? Think about the way that we could revitalize the American economy if everyone over the age of 50 could just free, you know, the old people have all the money and they don't want to go anywhere because they're the ones concerned about the bathrooms. Go talk to your grandparents why they're not leaving the house. They're concerned about these things. I'm not the only person concerned about these things. So maybe the debate over trans access will lead to a debate over just general bathroom access. People start realizing, hey, if we're going to be having public schools, we might as well have giant public bathrooms. Get rid of public schools and just turn the whole thing into giant places to take shits. But with good bathrooms. I'm not talking better toilet paper. Maybe even, you know, public debate, debate, bidets. That would be gross. Let's not do that. Just like, but like maybe uh, Kleenexes or something. You know, wet wipes. Let's make it good. Let's make the country great again by having increased bathroom access for everybody and some separate stalls for people who want to be the other gender. Um, now, here's the thing about uh, uh, the, the the whole restroom conversation. is uh, Firstly, I think if we're going to be practical about it and we're going to make decisions about what bathroom trans people should be using, uh, it should probably be going based off of how passable they are. And I know that that's really terrible because, like, you're going to have to have a government passable committee where you uh, parade the people in front of them. It's like you get your license done. They decide whether or not which one, if you've done enough work on yourself to be able to use the other one. Have, have you actually put the work in to graduate from your gender or are you just being a creep? Initially, years ago, we did a piece on uh, Rob's Newsroom, if you've never checked it out, when they were uh, first trying to pass uh, transgender bathroom laws. We did a little sketch of the transgender bathroom unit, menuing, taking, taking phone calls, kicking in doors, searching every, searching every stall in the state. That one stands the test of time. You guys can go check it out. And I was joking that, really, I thought the trans people should just use whatever bathroom has the shorter line. Because sometimes the ladies' room's got a longer line, so if you got some flexibility here on which group maybe you should belong to, just go for the shorter line. Everybody's happy. Um, now, obviously, I guess that one's not so practical. I mean, how are they going to enforce this? What, are they going to put the fucking TSA outside of bathrooms? I think this is probably the most practical approach. Because i got to say, I don't like these joint bathroom things. I've told you guys that in the past. There's nothing weirder than the joint bathroom things or when there's just one. Nobody likes it. Women don't like that either. I don't think I think everybody doesn't like the mixed bathroom thing. I think everyone feels uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable with the shit that I'm taking. You're uncomfortable that there's someone over there. Or women, you like standing at a sink for too long and doing your makeup. The last thing you want is some dude in the stall behind you stinking the whole place up. Or some guy who just wants to wash his hand. He's like, why are you doing all your makeup here? This is a fucking public bathroom. This is growth. Just put on makeup when you leave the house or don't put on makeup. You probably look fine without it anyways. This is just for you and it's annoying. And I just want some soap. Can I just get some soap? Can I use the sink for its intended purpose? And then women are like, well, we're going to need a secondary sink just for the bed. Like everyone, let's just have our own bathrooms. You know what I mean? Separate bathrooms, male. I actually had, I don't even know if I told the story on the podcast. 
because, you know, I just I yell a lot and it's hard to remember what stories I told, what stories I didn't. I'm not even that old, but just uh, imagine what's going to happen to this podcast when I'm 70 and I'm literally just telling the exact story I, I told uh, I told the prior week. Uh, but I was flying, I think, out of LaGuardia and uh I was, I was grooving, taking a nice turn. I mean, I really relaxed into this thing and you know, we were, maybe this was pre-flight. We were really getting rid of some toxins before we were going to be flying out on my journey. And, uh, if, uh, if you're listening right now, this is why we don't have female listeners within the audience, because if you're a new person, you know, Dave just did Rogan. So new people found part of the problem and then they drift their way this way. I, I just want to know, cause you're new to the show. 90% of what we do here is just uh, coverage of uh, bowel movement and diarrhea we actually have a phone hotline in studio people call while they're using the bathroom we call it the 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 turd express line that if you're out there you're taking a turd while we're live on air you can come you can report in on it you let people know about the things that you're eating that are ruining you softer underwear good bathroom access we cover it all that's what this podcast is about we don't even do news so if you're new i just want to let you know because you never checked out the run your mouth podcast uh what actually goes on on this program we whine about temperatures the 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 price of heat electric heaters esg scores and bathroom access so anyways i'm taking myself a real nice dump and then i hear two ladies take the two stalls next to me and uh they're having themselves a full conversation i mean i didn't know this about uh black women but they don't just talk in movie theaters they also talk while taking shits loudly i mean they compare notes they're they're having a full conversation i'm just in the middle like staring straight forward going, oh my God, am I in the wrong bathroom right now or are they in the wrong bathroom? And I wasn't going to ask. I'm like, I'm just going to stay silent. And then they were in there for too long where it was awkward of how long am I going to sit here waiting these people out? This was like a shit stakeout of who's going to wait longer. And they had no shame. I mean, no shame. I can't even tell you. I didn't understand. I've never been inside a lady's restroom because I'm not trying to be a trans creep. So I didn't, I didn't know that women don't just chat things up at the sink when they're doing their makeup, but that they make full diarrhea conversations among themselves, even if they're not in the two stalls next to each other. I learned a lot in this experience and I was really uncomfortable. And then I was trying to wait them out and it was getting so long where I was like, I might just have to, and I'm like starting to strategize in my head how quickly I might be able to get out of the ladies restroom that I was accidentally using. But then they finally got out of their things and they just slowly started to like realize it out loud in a cartoonish way like they went to white like oh are those urinals i never seen you why are people standing like they like slowly came to it was almost like the end of uh of uh uh wrong not wrongfully uh whatever i you know maybe should have taken more zins before we started the episode anyways so i like a separate bathroom i don't want to be turding in your place and i don't want you ruining my turds i feel like that's a simple philosophy and they keep moving towards the more conjoined bathrooms so that the occasional, maybe maybe that's what we should do. We should actually be more accepting of trans people because in the negotiation for better bathroom access, that's the better option than them doing like the just joint bathroom thing that makes everybody uncomfortable. That's the way it works in democracy. You know, I've said it before. The problem is you've got uh, uh, complainers and assholes. And there was one other person. This is like one of my predominant talking points and I'm messing it up right now. But like I said, we're, we're converting over to, to diarrhea talk. Um, but in this case, I guess you got your, your whiners. They just can't be cool. They can't, they, they gotta, they gotta change genders. I guess be so unpassable at the new gender that the other people are a little bit weirded out by there and they're in there. That should just be the simple rule. Just don't make other people feel uncomfortable. You just got to fit. And that's on you. If you're being a little bit different, 
you know, or maybe that's my insensitivity. Cause if you like, you were, let's say a dude with no arms and you needed someone to help wipe you and you're yelling out into the bathroom, uh, which is a weird situation, but it could happen. Then I wouldn't be saying, Hey, you're making me feel uncomfortable. I would go, this is a problem that someone else should help you with. <laughs> oh, I'm a bad person. Uh, that's the moral of the story. Let's just call it an episode right there. There's really no other reason to continue. But uh, so apparently they're passing laws in Florida. They're going to be, uh, you know, putting putting spy holes into all of the bathrooms to make sure if you're taking a, a shit in the ladies room, you don't actually have a wiener between your legs. I mean, how often is this even coming up and how uncomfortable are we making women that we need laws against this one? Is this a, is this a frequent occurrence? Have people been calling up DeSantis nonstop and going, I keep smelling male turds in my female bathroom? Someone, someone's got to put an end to the turds. All right, I feel like we fully covered that topic. You guys have anything that, uh, that you wanted to get in before I move on? Um, usual suspects. Thank you. Thank you, B. You, you knew what I was going for there. Uh, all right, what else we got? The Donald Trump court case. Um, not looking great for Donald Trump. Apparently, he's even saying that he might uh, show up and uh, uh, testify. That's how poorly this thing's going. And uh, that's going to be a fun testimony when he gets up on the witness stand. He goes, okay, you know that this didn't happen because if I did it, she'd be thanking me, okay? That's my specialty move when I push people up against the wall. And to this day, I take phone calls from women going, thank you. That was the greatest day of my life. I mean, how is he going to defend? Like, I, I think the biggest issue here is that there's usually a reason why uh, there's a statue of limitations, which is at some point it becomes hard to defend yourself. How am I supposed to prove like if, that? I like, let's say I was on a flight that day. Well, there might actually be a record of that, but I could have been in my office all day. I might not have been shopping at Bergendorf, whatever. What's it called? But so here's where we're at with this trial, because I'm sure you guys haven't been following it. So you got this lady, uh, Carol, whatever, goes on the news, says that she's pro-rape, but not when it's from Donald Trump. And uh, the story that she tells sounds a little bit like Donald Trump. I mean, in terms of uh, things. And by the way, I just want to make it clear, just in case, like, uh, you know, because we make jokes on the show. And I just want to make it like it, it very clear um, that I don't want, like, this is not a rapey program. Like, you know what I mean? That's not something, there's all those other news programs out there that will push the unconsensual needles on people. That's not what we do over here. We're, we're very much, uh, towards freedom, liberty, and not getting raped. So just in case people were getting confused by some of the, uh, jokes and humor of the show and the bathroom diarrhea talk, I just want to make it clear, you know, don't be going into, uh, uh, uh public, uh, locker rooms, and shoving people up against walls, just in case that wasn't clear. But it sounds like something Trump might have done in 80s prime when when he was Donald Trump just walking around the the areas where women might be. Even that, like, really? The guy was traveling solo, just walking around, talking to ladies about lingerie and going right to the ladies' restroom? It does, It. I mean, not even the restroom, the, the, the changing room? I mean, that's like, that's a level of animalhood. Who knows? But then, so here's where we're at. Donald Trump apparently had one witness, and uh, his witness, for some reason, couldn't make it. Uh, that lady had one person who was able to confirm the story that they received a call that day by her. And then they had a secondary witness who was a reporter who had been reporting on Trump down at, uh, I believe it was Mar-a-Lago, while 
Melania was pregnant, and apparently Donald Trump tried to get aggressive with her, but was uh, unsuccessful in his endeavors. And now Donald Trump has to show up to uh, testify. And here's what's great. This court case might just get thrown out because it's only a defamation suit. Uh, And so since the acting president, I don't think, is allowed to be tried for defamation, if it's found out that he's guilty, I guess there's a secondary case, which is whether or not uh, they decide that he was a government employee. And we all know that government employees get special privileges, so it just gets thrown out. Uh, this is one for, you just got to be like, I don't know. You said that Kavanaugh was a rapist, and that just disappeared. And 30 years later, is it that difficult with enough money on the table that a lady who was trying to write a book for profit would throw a crazy story in about Donald Trump? And then Donald Trump would be like, yeah, that didn't happen. And then people would go, we couldn't publish it. And then suddenly when there's money on the line, that's when you're talking about it. And then you want to sue the guy and you can't find one friend who's willing to show up in court and corroborate. And the lawyers can't find one lady with some sort of a pattern of aggressive behavior from Trump. Well... I guess he shouldn't have been out there on buses saying that he likes grabbing women from the vaginas. All right, what else we got? The Wagner Group. Dude, how like how little bullets are there in the world that both the Russia is seemingly running out of bullets. They're sending in soldiers without enough bullet. Like you would think if you want to win a war, you're going to hand a guy a gun. You probably want him to actually be able to shoot people, and he's probably not going to be able to do that if you don't even have any bullets from him. And I think we were trying to get supplies from, like, the South Koreans. I mean, how unprepared is everyone for war that we're spending, everyone's spending so much money on their military, they don't even have bullets. I mean, I'm out here getting myself uh, food, stocking up on water, stuffing shit into my freezer. I gotta get myself some bullets. I, I forget all, like, the stock investments or whatever the fuck else you guys are making. Apparently, bullets, there aren't enough, like, even governments can't even get their hands on bullets. You guys need them. And that that's a wild one, because uh, apparently the Wagner Group is like, yeah, you don't give us some bullets, and we're uh, we're leaving this war. I, I mean, the, the fact that I actually wasn't clear on if it was the head of the Wagner group or just the head that's out there with his soldiers, and he's like, yeah, I'm not really winning because we don't have bullets. The Wagner group is fascinating from, like, a real serial killer just looking at things from, like, a movie perspective, that the fact that they grab prisoners, they send them to the front lines, and they tell them, if you can survive this war, you're going free, and then they dictate the actual politics that are going on, like, I think the, like, the Wagner Group is a military group made up of essentially slave labor from prisons that is actually a, uh, pretty major, like, I guess, influence in global affairs, including the fact that these guys operate as the military and protection racket in Africa for, uh, for, you know, natural resources. Pretty wild. Uh, I don't know if you guys watched that explosion in Russia. There's a part of the problem, probably already up on the Gas Digital Network, coming out tomorrow. Spoke about that quite a bit. Uh, the whole thing looks a little bit screwy to me. I don't understand why a drone would have to get that close to something with before it was able to hit its target, and why Russia would let a drone get that close before it took it out. Both those elements make no sense to me. And then a drone that small that it gets hit and it basically looks like sparklers uh, could have been carrying a payload that could have done significant damage. And then what? So there's going to be a false flag by the Russians who are currently just enslaving people to fight. They need more support from their people. And then wouldn't you need a bigger explosion or a more remarkable incident where you're like, oh my God, look, I was really threatened. They blew up this car in front of me. 
or they blew up a whole building, or look, they killed civilians. I would think if there was a false flag, you're trying to jerk in people's emotions, you would need something more triumphant than just a little explosion. So let's just recap all the strange elements here. So you got what looks like a tri tiny little drone, uh, some kid playing with his, uh, with his remote control, whatever thing, got a little bit too close to one of the buildings, decides to wait all the way to the last minute before, I guess, delivering some sort of a payload or otherwise, unless I guess maybe the drone itself was the bomb. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Maybe I'm the idiot. Maybe the drone wouldn't be the, the drone was the payload. But then I would think there'd be more of an explosion when you hit it. I would think that, you know, you're blowing up a bomb. It's going to be more of a bomb. The only thing I can think of is that maybe the Ukrainians were like, look, we got some new technology and we can reach you guys. So just be warned. But even that doesn't make sense. Because then just like if you could reach them and you think that you might reach them, that's a little bit like don't pull out your gun if you're not going to use it. You know what I mean? That's what they say. People that actually have guns. I don't have a gun because I'm not cool and I'm a putz and I'd probably trip and fall and shoot my own dick off. Like I know people that actually keep their guns above their dicks. I wouldn't have a dick anymore. Like that would, it would be gone. There's no question. Forget a safety. Forget that you had a thing in the chamber. Go somewhere and just decide to skip rope for no reason. I fall all the time. I don't understand how anyone's resting the guns above their dicks seems that seems dangerous if uh, that seems like i hear about that activity i my entire day i would just be so nervous that i was going to shoot my own dick off until i forgot that the gun was there and it actually happened um all right what else we got here you got a whole bunch of you guys are really getting all the news if you haven't looked at one newspaper in like a month this is literally everything that happened this week um and me pontificating about it so that we can both be confused about what's going on. You get a lot of uh, coverage at the moment about corruption at the Supreme Court. Specifically, they're going after uh, Clarence Thomas because, uh, you know, they're all racist. You got a dignified black man who only had sex with one secretary in order to get his job. And now everyone's just coming after the guy. He's just trying to live uh, the American dream. Work like every other politician, take bribe money, adopt kids, and then have Republican donors pay for their schooling. You would think this is a simple scheme of a wife that could get on planes and take fancy request uh, vacations. I, I, the whole thing just seems a little bit screwy of why are we going after this one guy? I'm sure everyone's doing all sorts of shady shit all the time. And I'm not saying, like, there's some people on the side of, uh, hey, any any corruption that we expose is good because then, at least, like, this guy's committed a crime. Maybe it will scare other people. I'm worth looking at, like, uh, the system's got too many laws on the books, and when they seem to hyper-focus on any random individual, um, it's not actually an equal distribution of justice. It's more of a political takedown. Like, why are we having a conversation about uh, these gifts and benefits? It should be a larger conversation about with reporting on everyone. I can't believe he's the only one on the Supreme Court getting some goodies on the side. I can't imagine all the liberal justices aren't. It just, so it seems like a bit of a takedown. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure. I, I guess maybe they're hoping that before Biden's out, they can drum up enough corruption to, to maybe push him out of the job and see if they can replace him. The Kavanaugh rape story didn't do good enough. You'd think you want to get someone off the Supreme Court. Right? Get more people come forward talking about how uh, Kavanaugh waved his big old basketball playing dick at him. All right. What else we got? Recent Biden corruption info. Uh, this is another teaser for uh, for tomorrow's part of the problem coming out. We talked about this extensively. But just in case you're not in the loop at all, here are some of the storylines that have come out. One, there's a possibility that Blinken was lying, lying to Congress. 
saying, hey, I don't know, I, I know nothing about, I never spoken to Biden, I never emailed with Biden, I didn't know he was working for Burisma. But then you got some emails going, hey, we got to meet up, well, just email my personal email address, and then other conversations that would make it seem as if Blinken was aware of the whole Burisman racket. Now, for those of you that don't know, Blinken's also the guy who sent the letter to the CIA people and said, hey, listen, uh, this laptop thing's coming out. It doesn't make us look too good. We're going to need you to say that it's Russian collusion so that we can contact the uh, tech overlords to censor the Internet and make sure that the American people doesn't know this before an election. But none of this is quite as juicy as the next bombshell which is uh, Glassley and the other guy who's been working on uh, on all the Hunter Biden corruption stuff, uh, they're claiming that there's an FBI whistleblower. And the FBI whistleblower says that there's a memo within the FBI that has direct evidence of Biden family corruption, of them being bought by foreign adversaries, being bribed, engaging in illegal activities. And uh, if that were to happen, talk about the bombshells of bombshells that would not just be a direct evidence of criminal behavior within the Biden family, but the fact that we have to disband the FBI. I mean, if the if the FBI is just sitting on documents that government officials have been compromised and, uh, you know, they're just keeping that with that Epstein safe that disappeared with all the pictures and images of Bill Clinton and the other ones hanging out, having some pizza. I don't know what you're allowed to say on 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 this stuff. They just they like uh they like themselves some some fresh pizza. Am I allowed to say? Am I going to get sued for defamation? Because it turns out uh, uh Bill Clinton is another bathroom advocate such as myself who's lactose intolerant, and he gets on the he goes you know talking about how dare you guys say that that I would be eating cheese? I don't need any cheese. That is defamation of my character. I'm a healthier individual. I'm I'm on pure soy and whatever else Bill Gates is cancerous equipment you can't say that either that's defamation once again you guys got to be careful everyone's getting sued these days all right so anyways supposedly fbi memo with the criminal things and then we got to get if the fbi is just sitting on that information i mean at what point do people get fed up with the fbi uh like do they actually have documents i i it seems unlikely to me i that you guys will hear more about this on tomorrow's part of the problem that would be a bombshell it would be fascinating it might be the most interesting news story that we've ever seen if they actually had direct evidence of the Biden's corrupt criminal family behavior. But the likelihood of that being on an on a uh, document that's also not classified and that the FBI is just sitting on it. I don't know. All sounds a little bit uh, like a little bit too much. All right. Now let's talk about the New York City subway incident. I might have also told this uh, story on the podcast. I'm not going to tell the whole story. I'm working on it for a uh, for a stand up bit. Don't quite have all the details worked out. Um, But I had an incident recently where there was a drunk Mexican guy bleeding out of his ear, nearly fell into the train tracks. And I was there and I realized at some point that this guy was probably going to kill himself either by falling into the street, falling down the stairs, or falling into the train tracks. And so I tried calling the cops. And uh, my experience with calling the cops is that they both didn't show up and they hung up on me. And what was odd about them hung up, I literally said to the lady after I confirmed that they were going to send someone, hey, are you going to stay on the line? And then she hung up. And then I also had to come to terms with the fact I can't be kidnapping this individual. I don't know what kind of liability exists for me. And so I helped the guy down a flight of stairs. He went on his way. And that was the that was that was basically the end of it. Maybe it wasn't such an emergency. Maybe that was on me. 
being all, you know, whatever. I, I, I had the wrong read on the conversation. The cops weren't right to show up and not address the guy who was bleeding out of his ear. You know, maybe. I, 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 who, who's to say? We got a structural problem, though, if the emergency service people aren't showing up and they also won't let us potentially deal with an emergency. And so in this case, let me tell you, we've all seen videos of people getting pushed into subway tracks. We're hearing stories of the New York City Police Department who are taking in people who are repeated crime offenders and then just putting them back on the streets. We've all watched subway video of people getting hit or otherwise because of crazy individuals. Uh, So if there's a crazy individual who's threatening people, I don't know, is there a right to uh, try and restrain that person prior to them engaging in violence? Like, look at it this way. I like there's something to me of like forecasting. How do we prevent people from being complete and total dicks? So, like, you don't want to empower someone who's a bully to be able to go out and figure out how he can essentially fight people and pretend like that was in the guise of trying to help him. I mean, that's what the government does, right? That, that that's the government racket. But we can't have that kind of violence on our streets. I gotta say that I think there's more of an issue of people who are unwilling or scared to help because they don't know the consequences of potentially getting involved. And I think that that's almost the, uh, the, the worst of the two. Now, we don't want, vi- like, I, 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 this is a hard one. It's hard to forecast the exact incentives and the laws and how you can create the perfect structure here. But I would say that there's more of a problem of when there's issues of crazy individuals on trains of people not wanting to help than there is a problem of helpful people being a little bit too aggressive. And in this case, if you've got a soldier, it would look to me like he probably could have uh, used striking or another mechanism to, uh, you know, basically take this person down. It shows a element of constraint to me that he was trying to, uh, you know, I guess use a hold or otherwise to get the guy. Also, from the little bit I know of MMA, I don't know nothing about jiu-jitsu. I've just watched some fighting. It didn't look like he was trying to choke him out because he had the guy's back and he could have put him out. It looked like he was just trying to keep the guy restrained. And I'm also sure that the guy probably wasn't sober or otherwise. The fact that he died from such an incident, I'm sure was because of other health issues. Don't have any proof of that. Um, The point I'm making is you got to forecast for like what would actually be better. There should be a major conversation about why these people are just allowed to roam the trains. How come cops are taking this much time to respond? And at some point, I think the liability falls back on the cops. If you're trying to restrain an individual, and I don't know all the details, maybe the cops were notified, but if you're trying to restrain an individual and then you've called the cops, the cops got to be able to get there within a certain amount of time to get the guy out of the, like, I, I, I don't know. It's a tough one. I'm not, not sure, like, the, the same as the Trump thing. I'm pontificating here. I'm trying to just outlay all the variables, and maybe some common sense will prevail, and the solution will come to me while I'm just ranting, or you guys might think of something, and you can email me at robsnewsroom at gmail.com. But the fact that people are hopping right on this just to call the guy a murderer, I don't think that guy, the, the soldier, left his house with the intention of uh, getting into or provoking violence, or at least there's no evidence of that. I don't know the guy personally. I don't follow him on the train. I don't know his behavior. I would think by the fact that he tried to uh, put him into a hold as opposed to hitting the individual would suggest the fact that he was just trying to de-escalate. And then I would think that there's more liability on the system for having these people 
who are crazy there and having cops that don't show up for five minutes. So if anyone's responsible here, it's uh, it's government. I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't see how you can look at that guy who seemingly was at least trying to, otherwise you got to go, hey, never try and help because there might be liability on you if anything goes wrong. And I don't think that makes the world safer or better when everyone is actually not even afraid of the physical harm of intervening. They're afraid that someone might get hurt because they were trying to help. And then, uh, you know, there's just liability on them. And then we're always just, everyone's literally just sitting there like, hey, I would help but my hands are tied. I don't want liability. Uh, this is great. I don't know if you guys have seen this. So obviously we, uh, we got this, uh, debt crisis. We've been spending money that we don't have forever. And the, uh, the Democrats newest way to weasel out of it and pretend like everything, this is, I mean, this is just the balls on these people. Everything was fine until they decided to give, I don't remember if it was 60 or $80 billion over to the IRS. And now that they've handed all this money over to the IRS so that the IRS could answer your phone calls, the government's going broke. That's how nice the government is. They realize that people are just trying to call up the IRS and have a better understanding of the money that's being stolen from them. And the government understands that. They understand that when they take their your money, it's a burden on you. And the least that they can do is, it, is answer your phone call. They can at least have enough people on staff to better explain to you how much money you're going to be robbed so that you can at least have a better understanding of it. But sadly, that $80 billion that was used only to answer your phone calls, that's what put us over the line here. So really, if anything, the government needs to rethink the little things it's doing to try making to, to making the robbing us more pleasant. Uh, you know, that that's what put us over the line was that they tried to make robbing us more pleasant. So in the future, they're just going to have to straight up rob us because the trying to make a pleasant part is what's uh, what's really making the country go broke. There was nothing else. There were no other expenses that pushed us over the lines. It was the money that was given over to the IRS so that they can answer your phone calls. And then uh, they're making Kamala Harris the uh, AIs are. Uh, obviously, what happened down at the border, she fixed that problem so we can put her on the next biggest issue. How does everyone else fear, feel about the artificial intelligence? I, I, I lean towards that some of the people who have been in like the Google game or the information game for long enough don't want us to have really good tools because it might actually displace you know, it's like the, it, it, this is, it seems like technological development. If I can have a conversation with an AI that might be able to diagnose uh, a problem that I'm having or give me a solution quicker than other individuals, I'll just be more efficient. And then you'll be more efficient. Everyone will be more efficient. We'll move on to solving new problems. Maybe like for you guys, maybe this show, I could start getting the topics from the AI. You think an AI is going to be able to yell from a living room and come up with jokes like this? It's not going to happen. But I might be able to use that as a tool to go daily instead of, you know, twice or three times a week just spit out the topics for me give me the summary hey study all the shows that i do give me the things that i would think are interesting on the internet today instead of scrolling through twitter and racing my whole fucking life just trying to find a couple good clips i could be like hey study the last hundred run your mouths and give me the clips from twitter today and i'm sure there are good analytics on that that i wouldn't know how many times things have been shared if it came from a conservative group i'm sure you could deconstruct what i do here to spit out better show topics automatically these, these are the kind of tools that might be at our fingertips. You know, I, I got to start playing around with it because I actually do see the utility of it. And I uh, I have not yet immersed myself. Um, and obviously, I mean, you can be a futurist here. You can look at it, go, hey, once singularity comes, these fucking robots are going to take over. It's going to be like Terminator. 
They're going to hijack those Boston Dynamic creepy robot things, and they're going to turn us all into batteries, Matrix style. But hopefully when you get plugged in, you don't realize you're in the Matrix, and then your steak still tastes like steak. But we could be in the Matrix right now. Who knows? Maybe the AI singularity is what actually busts us out of the Matrix. You know, because no one knows what the fuck our reality is about, which is why you might as well scream and yell about diarrhea and at least having more toilets. Point being, as likely as it might be that these fucking creepy-ass robots go rogue and they create all sorts of shit, it's also that the powers that be, they want the regulation, they want to make sure that there isn't new technology and there isn't competition. Can't say for fact. You know what I know for fact? If there is some sort of an issue, Kamala Harris is not solving it. Because the robots... It's good with the tech because of space and you can get answers, but we don't want people to get bad answers or bad ideas because sometimes robots, they can be good, but they can also be bad. And so that's why we're making improvements and I'm going to watch it to make sure that it's not bad. Thank you, Kamala, for the insights. I don't think we would have gotten anywhere without you. All right, before we take a moment, before we move on with the show, sheathunderwear.com. It's summer. Don't be out there with sweaty balls. Don't be out there with your balls flapping all around, just getting sweat all over the place. You finally find a lady that likes you. She takes off your shorts and she throws up all over your penis that you may or may not have already shot off with the handgun. You don't want that to happen to you. It's happened to me. You finally are getting some action, but you're out in Texas for the first time. You're not used to the Texas heat. You weren't using your sheath. Your underwear is all fucking sticky, and your balls smell like a sewer. You you want that? Is that what you want for your weekend? That you that you your balls you you want you want old stinky sweaty balls that hang down to your knees because you didn't support them with sheath pouches. I'm warning you now. Make an investment in your in your Johnson. Make an investment in in your undergarments. So that 40, 50 years from now, they're still hanging tight, secure against your body, and you got a wiener that doesn't curve too far. Does the sheath hole actually prevent curvature? I can't, I can't make those kind of claims. But you know what I can tell you? You don't even need to put your dick in the dick hole to enjoy sheathunderwear.com. Use promo card RYM. You get yourself 20% off the greatest underwear that's ever graced the balls of man. We're talking about cooler, cooling, wicking, moisture, wicking. They're comfortable. That's all you got to know. I'm just telling you, they're comfortable underwear. Support the sponsors. Promo code RYM, 20% off, sheathunderwear.com. All right, what else do we got? Hey, all right, full-grown man, first time. Let's uh, we'll, we'll take some comments. Here we go. Hey, Rob, finally get in the chat. I'm always listening, but usually at work when you go live. Well, it's nice to have you. It wasn't, it wasn't the same without you here, Mr. Full-Grown Man. Pulse Hex, only answer is leave blue areas? Possibly. All right. Moving on, what else we got? Oh, let's take a look at uh, this Twitter video, which is uh, going to set a tone for the rest of the entire episode. You know why? Uh, well, firstly, it's always nice to see uh, the actual adults and uh, how they behave. So if you guys were wondering about um, the de-escalations uh, between Russia and Ukraine, uh, here, here's the way that some diplomats are, uh, are behaving. <laughs> It's straight up little kid flipping someone else's hat, except he did it to the wrong kid, and that guy just went to beat the shit out of him. Which I, I think you probably deserve. I don't know the rules at UN or other meetings between foreign diplomats or what the guy th thought was going to happen when he just walked up to him and decided to try and take his flag, but you just have to admire um, the childishness of the people that we've put in charge. And uh, 
if that doesn't make you feel bad about people that have been put in charge to solve the world's problems, uh, I think before we get into the next segment, it's a uh, good idea to just understand uh, the information that the central planners are actually working with. Senator Kennedy, he's got he's got his smooth Southern lawyer vibes, sits back, just goes, let me ask you, let me understand this. I don't know why I'm doing it as Biden, but uh, if you guys don't watch... Uh, uh, Senate committee hearings because you actually have lives and kids and stuff. You might miss out on these great moments. So here we go. I think it's worth knowing just how little insight the central planners actually have into dealing with any of these problems. That's the last episode we just did with Jane Menton, New York City, trying to pass these laws. All right, let's give this a listen. Mr. Secretary, thanks for being here. I want to tap your expertise for a moment. Uh, g- give me, uh, uh, give me your best estimate. Just an estimate, I know. Uh, of of uh, uh, how soon you think the United States of America will be carbon neutral? So uh, I think, according to the climate scientists around the world, and certainly the cutting edge scientists that we need to rely on here in the U.S., we've got to get carbon neutral by 2050. And I'm very comfortable with that target, and I think that's the appropriate by 20, target by 2050, which is only 27 years. That is not a long time away. And and how much will that cost? So the cost that I focus on even more is all the costs no, that the are going to happen cost. if we don't get our act together. How much will it cost to get us carbon neutral? It's going to cost trillions of dollars, and it'll cost tens of trillions of dollars if how, we don't get our act together. How many trillions? I don't have the estimate or the numbers in front of me. I've seen a variety of different estimates, but it's a large amount. Fundamentally transforming our energy economy the is a big deal. You, tell me the estimates that you've seen. I don't have those numbers right on hand. So, so you're advocating that we become carbon neutral, but you don't know how much it's going to cost. So there's an awful lot of estimates out there. It depends yeah, on technology you're, you're improvement the and other kinds of things. You're the expert. I know, I know with how much it's going to cost. I know with the certainty of all the experts I've spoken about, it's cheaper to get our act together than it is to not get our act. So he just knows. He just knows that it's going to be cheaper to get our act together than to than just to continue to use all the carbon and fuel that currently works. He has no idea. This is like uh, AOC on the Green New Deal. We have to knock down buildings because unless we knock down the buildings and rebuild it with carbon friendlier buildings, well, what's the recycling costs on that? Is it really more efficient to knock down a currently working building and then the building materials to get rid of and replace it? Is that actually going to be better? Yeah, it'll be better. Or this guy just yeah, it's just fucking La La Land. Oh, yeah, we haven't done any of the forecasts. I can't tell you the cost or if it's possible to replace the energy grid, but I can tell you that it would be more expensive if we don't do it, and and based off of what? Based off of one guy who's telling you, what, what do you think, the, the, how soon till the floor, it's like a childhood game of that the floor is going to be lava. We all have to pretend that the floor is lava, and yes, I guess if the floor is lava, then we all need to stand on couches. Yes, I guess if the earth is literally going to collapse into the ocean tomorrow, it would be more worthwhile. That's the problem with these fucking scientists, these central planners, and all these people who are trying to pretend that there's some imminent threat. So give us the actual math. Fine, fine. You think that there's going to be an imminent threat. Give us the calculations here. So how many years till uh, till the earth, till, till we fall into the ocean? And exactly how much is it going to cost us to prevent falling into the ocean? And does the technology that you have to keep us from falling into the ocean actually work? Or are you just lying about us falling into the ocean so that you, you and your friends can make some money? Let's continue. It doesn't get better. If you, if you, if you, even by the way, if you're one of these people who believes in global warming, 
you think that the people that they put in charge of this, because this is the structure that you want. So if you think, you believe yeah, that the world is going to end in two years from now, or 10 years from now, or whatever Bernie Sanders said, the kids, uh, kids are not even going to be able to exist on the earth. Like, whatever amount of time you think it is, this guy's in charge, or he's on the team. Are you impressed with uh, with the information that he's coming coming with the set? What, how long do we have, and how much is it going to cost for us to fill? I don't know. I don't know. I can just tell you that unless we put all of our resources into the things that I'm going to go do and spend money on, we're going to be fucked. Great. Very helpful. Together on climate okay. change. Okay. Then tell me the cost versus orders of the magnitude. cost that we, if we don't do it. I think it's orders of magnitude different. If we I don't get that, our act together, you, it's you don't you don't have a. If we don't get our act together, it's orders of magnitude. Well, orders of what? So like, it'll cost us what? Ten trillion versus forty trillion. Like, how can it even be orders of magnitude if you don't have the numbers whatsoever? If you don't have the math on this, how do you know? You don't know. Cost? You want us to get there, but you can't tell the American taxpayer how much it's going to cost. Is that your testimony? It's going to save us money, and there's a lot of jobs. Well, how do we know if you don't know how much it's going to cost? Uh, I'd be happy to pull up the latest numbers that I've seen. How about $50 trillion? Is that right? It's going to cost trillions of dollars. There's no doubt about it. Okay. If we spend trillions of dollars and we achieve, some of your colleagues estimate $50 trillion, and it disappoints me that you're not willing to give the estimates. I don't. I hope you're not telling me you have no idea how much it's going to cost. That creates a whole new host of problems. But but uh, if it costs fifty trillion dollars, as some of your colleagues have testified, to become carbon neutral by two thousand and fifty, and I'm all for carbon neutrality, by the way, how much is that going to lower world temperatures, or how much is that going to reduce the increase in world temperatures? So every. We got to pause for a second. That's a very clear question. So if the U.S. spends the $50 trillion that you're talking about, what is the impact? If we like, if we make the $50 trillion investment and you're saying that that's going to save us orders of magnitude from the other scenario, will that even save us from this other scenario? How much of a reduction will that do? Let's see if the guy can answer that. Every country around the world needs to get its act together. Our emissions are about 13% of global emissions. Yeah, but if right you could now. answer my question, if we spend $50 trillion to become carbon neutral in the United States of America by 2050, you're the Deputy Secretary of Energy. Give me your estimate of how much that is going to reduce world temperatures. So, so first of all, it's a net cost. How much is that going to reduce world temperatures? Your whole thing is that the temperature is going to get too hot. So if we'd spend the $50 trillion and you're saying that it's going to be orders of magnitude more of a problem, so then what's the reduction in temperature? I mean, if you're doing central planning and you're sitting down and you're doing the math, you would think you would know the answers to this. Um, it's what uh, benefits we're having from getting our act together and reducing all of those climate benefits. We're seeing Let me ask again. Maybe I'm, being, right now. maybe I'm not being clear. If we spent $50 trillion to become carbon neutral by 2050 in the United States of America, how, how much is that going to reduce world temperatures? This is a global problem. So we need to reduce our emissions and we need to do everything we can. How much, if we do our part, countries. is it going to reduce so world we're temperatures? So we're 13% of global emissions. You don't right know, now. do you? You don't know, do you? You can do the math. We need to. You don't know, do you, Mr. Secretary? So we're. Because, by the way, even if it is, let's just say we're 
and so we go down the, our entire 13%. They don't know because the marginal increase of damage of carbon goes down the more we actually release. They haven't done the math on this. If you, By the way, if you don't understand the uh, concept of uh, marginal utility, this is the way I think about it. It's like you eat one piece of cake, you're like, holy shit, that cake was delicious. You eat a second piece of cake, and you're like, All right, I didn't really need that. You go to your third piece of cake, how much did you enjoy that? Right? Sometimes the more you have of something, the marginal, you could look at it that way, enjoyment goes down. So from what I understand of carbon in the atmosphere, there's a similar phenomenon that like, I guess an increase in carbon can increase temperatures. But once you're over like a certain threshold, the amount that it increases actually goes down. So if the U.S., let's just say, took our 13% off completely, firstly... I don't think you're going to do anything because India and China are going to keep going. But not only that, I guess you're going to actually reduce the price of electricity for those other countries so that they can just grow their economies more and probably just pick up the 13% in, uh, in you know, uh, atmosphere carbon anyways, which you don't even know what the impact is. The point I'm just trying to make here is this is our central planners. It's like we give all these people too much credit. It's just socialism and that central planning doesn't work. We're 13 percent. If you know, why won't you we tell went, me if we went to zero, that would be 13 percent. You don't know, do you? You just want us to spend 50 trillion dollars and you don't have the slightest idea whether it's going to reduce world temperatures. Now, I'm all for carbon neutrality, but you're the deputy secretary of the Department of Energy and you're advocating we spend trillions of dollars to seek carbon neutrality and you can't and this isn't your money and my money it's taxpayer money and you can't tell me how much it's going to lower world temperatures there, or you won't tell me you know but you won't in my heart of hearts there is no way the world gets its act together on climate change unless the u.s leads tell me how much it's the going US to reduce you you can't tell me either Look that or best case scenario it's la la land we spend 50 trillion dollars we get our carbon to zero and then the other people go, oh, well, the Americans were really nice, so we're going to do the same exact thing. We're also going to make it too expensive for our populations to live in the name of a boogeyman that doesn't exist. But let's just say you actually believe in this global warming thing. You think we've got to take immediate actions. Well, does that make you feel better that the government's actually done the math or it's got a plan? All right. So with that being said, here is... Uh, some of the latest information uh, in regards to, and uh, at this point, you know, some of you guys might be bored with Corona talk. You might be like, hey, this is over. I don't need to hear about it. Leave me alone. Um, and fair enough. You guys can, uh, you know, we, you, for you, you can call it an episode. Uh, with that being said, I think YouTube might even allow this information at this point. The information that we were being censored for for two years, we were basically just pointing figures and going, hey, your central planning and your CDC with its billions of dollars clearly aren't making the best decisions or they're not making decisions that are in our interest. It's either just uh, it's either corporate capture that these guys are making uh, decisions that benefit private companies, pharmaceutical companies, or it's just uh, governments are so bad at making decisions and having information that, you know, they just can't do it. So anyways, CDC director Wallachinsky is stepping down. I guess... Uh, you know, after handling Corona as well as she did, because she was the partner in crime for uh, for Fauci. And uh, from all that stuff of listening to the scientists, uh, get your kids boosted, all the health recommendations, 
I mean, you think uh, the lady should probably be promoted. I mean, if, if what we were telling was complete and total gospel and they went full authoritarianism to force it down all of our throats. And I mean, think about how radically government overstepped compared to any other moment in our lives to force what these people thought was the best course of action upon us. So you'd think there would never have been a better case study for uh, listening to government and listening to their scientists and listening to their recommendations. I mean, if anything, the reason why we're moving on from COVID must be because the actions that these people took, this lady should be promoted. Why does she feel the need to resign? Well, it must be because more and more information is coming out of how badly these people blundered, ruined our economies, ruined kids' educations. Even this, this is even just an interesting metric. It was in the Wall Street Journal today of uh, general happiness. Just general happiness since Corona. Down. All right. And with that, let's take a look at, um, we can skip that. Uh, Everyone buckle up. Probably could have done this as its own episode, but we're here. We're going to rally our strengths because I did read through the entire Fauci thing in the New York Times. And uh, I pulled out what I think are some of the best pieces. You might want to take a break. You you might be like, I've already listened for an entire hour of this program. If I'm going to delve into Fauci talk, I'm going to need a break. And if you are taking a break, uh, you know, take the time to shop around on YoDelta.com and see all their new getting high supplies for people over the age of 21 where uh, Delta products are legal. They got new vape pens. 20 bucks with my promo code RYM. Go pick the, go pick them up. Uh, also, Porch Store dates coming at you. Cafe Bohemia on Wednesdays. RobbieTheFire.com should have the dates up there. Hang out. All right, let's read through uh, some of the uh, some of the pieces from the New York Times Fauci article, and then uh, you know we can go get hammered because I will have gotten my work done for the day. Here we go. Certainly, I think things could have been done differently and better on both sides. I mean, anybody who thinks that we or anyone else did was a perfect is not looking at reality. Nothing was done perfectly. But what I can say is that at least to my perception. The emphasis strictly on the science and public health. That is what public health people should do. I'm not an economist. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is not an economic organization. The Surgeon General is not an economist. So we looked at it from a purely public health standpoint. Let's just stop. That's fucking stupid. That's really, really fucking stupid. Look at it this way. Stress is a killer. So if I'm just looking at things from a health standpoint, no one should ever go to work because work is stressful. And so what we need is everyone to stay home because from a purely health standpoint, uh, work can be stressful and stress kills. So no more work. I'm just looking at it from a health standpoint. That's a really dumb fucking way to make decisions. How's, how stressed out are these people going to be when they don't have money? I mean, the, the fact that we're standing over here going, hey, you guys have a bad risk equation here because you're ignoring variables such as childhood education, people being able to have their businesses, miss cancer diagnosis. You had experts coming at you and going, hey, you've got a really bad risk equation here. And then at the time, him standing up and going, well, we're we're just listening to the science. Well, you weren't listening to the science. You had a bad scientific equation where, yes, I guess if you ignore all of the economic variables and every other variable that might impact other people's lives, and you just looked at it from the narrow window, which you didn't even have accurate information, you're lying. But let's just go with it. You were looking from the narrow window of COVID versus, hey, let's move forward with our lives. Let's have our jobs. Let's not be miserable people and miss two years and develop bad habits. And everyone's like, and you're like, well, I just look at it from this narrow window. And we're like, well, you're dumb for looking at it from that narrow window. Oh, well, this narrow window is really, well, you're dumb for doing it. And then to you all, oh, we're sorry. We were just looking at it from a narrow window. 
Well, yeah, that's exactly the reason why other people should be able to challenge you, why you should be having these conversations and why we shouldn't just be having centralized government. I mean, the fact that everyone else wasn't allowed to criticize the science at that time only for him to turn around and go, well, I was only looking at the science. Yeah, that was the exact problem. So he looked at it from a purely public health standpoint. You see that one little window. And you couldn't criticize that it was only being evaluated from that little window. It was for other people to make broader assessments, people whose positions included include but aren't exclusive about public health. Those people have to make the decisions about the balance between the potential negative consequences of something versus the benefits of something. Certainly, there could have been a better understanding of why people were emphasizing the economy, but when people say Fauci shut down the economy, it wasn't Fauci. Right, because when he said, hey, we got to close down and that uh, my little health thing is more important, well, I, yeah, I guess if your health thing was actually more important and people were dropping dead, that it was worth staying home, it would have been worthwhile. But everything is like a risk-versus-reward equation, and so just ignore other variables is stupid. The CDC was the organization that made those recommendations. I happen to be perceived as the personification of the recommendations. Well, you did parade yourself as the science. You did take big paychecks. You did go on all the shows. But show me a school that I shut down and show me a factory that I shut down. There you go. Just the deniability. Why I've said multiple times we need the Clear Authority Act. I never did that. Other people did. I had nothing to do with that. Never. I never did. I gave a public health recommendation that echoed the CDC's recommendations. Good. At a minimum, give us back your salary because you're saying we didn't need you. All right. Here's the next uh, one that I wanted to focus on. Interviewer. Part of that was issues with testing, right? Because we had many more infections than reported cases back then. Our testing was so bungled. How big of a problem was that? Fauci, huge. It was a huge, huge problem. Not only the technical mess up by the CDC, but then the follow-up of not encouraging the use of other tests from other sources, instead saying, no, wait, wait, we'll fix it, we'll fix it. As opposed to saying, hey, let's just allow these other tests that are readily available. Once again, centralized plannings. We need to be in control. We need to make the decisions. We're the only ones that can provide the testing. And even though they messed up the very first part of the COVID thing, they continue to say, hey, only we can be in charge. No one else can see the data. Everyone's got to listen to our recommendations. And other areas of government should shelve their analysis just to listen to us. Even though they got the first thing wrong. They were 0 for 1 at the outset of this, but still mandated everyone's got to listen to them at all times. Now, two years later, yeah, I guess we should have allowed other uh, markets to come in because we messed up the testing aspect. Continuing. This is, by the way, these are just random like things. This is not an order. Fauci, it's a good point in general, but I disagree with your premise a bit. From a broad public health standpoint at a population level, mass work at the margins, maybe 10%. But for an individual who religiously wears a mask, a well-fitted N95, it's not at the margin. It really does work. So in other words, masks don't work. That's really what he's saying is masks don't work. He's saying that if you're wearing an N95 mask all the time, it does work. Deduce from that, so wearing a regular cloth mask does not work. That's him saying it plain English. I mean, I guess it's not plain English because I had to deduce it. But there you go. All right, I guess three years later, you finally even get from Fauci himself, essentially in his own Fauci-like way of going, regular masks do not work. Well, if you're wearing an N95 all the time and you had it appropriately fitted by a scientist who actually knows and you clean it properly and you do that all the time and you're never around anyone else, it will work. All right, let's continue. 
Fauci. Well, I don't think anyone did anything wrong. What went wrong was that the virus did not act the way one would have thought the virus would act. We made an assumption that turned out to be incorrect assumption that this was going to act like other viruses. Well, this one was made in a lab, maybe even one that you founded. And I thought the whole reason that we panicked was because this wasn't like other viruses. So some things, and, and so I, I don't understand how you could have gotten anything wrong. I thought you were the science. So you're saying that we should have uh, taken the opinions of other individuals in assessing this? Let's continue. The classical definition of herd immunity has been completely turned upside down by COVID. And let me go through the steps. Herd immunity is based on two premises. One, that the virus doesn't change. Let's hold. I'm not a scientist. Barely got through biology. Barely understand these things. I thought viruses always mutate, unless there's a difference between mutation and changing now. I thought the entire idea of the robust immunity as opposed to the vaccine immunity is that as the virus mutates, your natural immunity might actually work for it as opposed to what turned out to be the very limited vaccine immunity that didn't work for other variants. So is Fauci now saying that immunity, that viruses never mutate? I mean, I thought that was the entire idea was that they typically do. Let's continue. Uh, that the virus doesn't change, and two, that when you get infected or vaccinated, the durability of protection is measured in decades, if not a lifetime. With the SARS-CoV-2, we thought protection against infection was going to be measured in a long period of time, and we found out, wait a minute, protection against infection and against severe disease is measured in months, not decades. So what he's talking about is that one thing that we heard on this program from a guy who was getting his doctorate in molecular biology and said, hey, these vaccines make most sense because the second this thing mutates, it's not going to work. You heard it here, and then we heard it from Stephen. You heard it from a bunch of people that were censored, but he's still sticking by his story that we just didn't realize that as the virus mutated, because virus usually don't mutate, and even though we got a vaccine that's unlike any other vaccine that's ever existed before because it's the very specific mRNA that works differently and doesn't give you robust immunity, and plenty of people were able to predict the second the virus mutates, this thing's not going to work. But here he is go, oh, we had no idea that it was going to function that way. Number two, the virus that you got infected with in January 2020 is very different from the virus that you are going to get infected with in 2021 and 2022. Exactly why people criticized mandating vaccines that were only going to work until the virus mutated, which we knew it was going to happen. So I guess he's redefining uh, the way that, that viruses don't typically change. And that's why he thought that this one was going to work. And it's a good thing that we censored everybody and didn't listen to anyone else's opinions because uh, I guess the other people that knew that at the time were, were wrong. They, they, they had a different idea about general biology and the way that viruses behave. All right, let's continue. This is another another piece of the article. Wallace Wells, sometimes it seems to me we would have been better off thinking of Omicron as an entirely different virus. It's so distinct from not just the ancestral strain, but also the early variants. Exactly. The vaccines protected well against infection and disease with Alpha, Beta, and Delta. Then along comes Omicron and invades immunity so well that a vaccine doesn't even protect very well against infection. Look at that. Oh, my God. An admission that the vaccine did not work even for infection after Delta from Dr. Anthony Fauci. So with the changing virus, because once again, viruses don't typically change. He never could have, he never could have known that this virus was going to mutate or change. So we can't fault him for getting everything wrong and mandating things and being really dramatic so that other agencies couldn't step in. Because after all, he was just making a recommendation. So with the changing virus and a duration of immunity that doesn't last, what is herd immunity for that virus? 
All right, let's just take a second to recap. So Fauci's admitting that um, the vaccine after Delta didn't even work for infection. And he's also admitting that masks other than N95s didn't work. And he's also saying that, hey, I shouldn't have been listened to and other people should have been making com- uh, decisions here because I was just making health recommendations. And honestly, I don't even do anything other than parent what the CDC says. So I don't know why everyone's so interested in my opinion. Let's continue. But beyond the evolution of the virus, should we ever have expected herd immunity with a virus like this? Well, I guess if we all had natural immunity. My understanding is that because of the SARS-CoV-2 replicates in the upper airway and the mucosal packages, passages is very hard, if not impossible, to stop transmission. That's true, but unrelated. That makes it more complicated to know who's infected and capable of transmitting and who's not. But it still does not change the concept of herd immunity. All right, how many more pieces I got? I'm tiring myself out. All right, we got a couple, and I think it's important. Uh, hold on one second. Okay, and then we did. We talked enough about the risk of breakthroughs. This is a question from the interview. Through the summer of 2021, the messaging was breakthrough cases were very rare and functionally never resulted in serious illness. But beginning with Delta variant, both of those things became much less true. And now in 2023, more than half of our deaths are amongst vaccinated people. Was there enough communication to prepare people, especially the vulnerable elderly, for continuing risk going forward? Fauci, I mean, we tried. David, we're playing a lot of Monday morning quarterback here. This is some really serious Monday morning quarterbacking. In other words, when I said I was the lord of science and that everyone has to listen to me and everyone needs to be censored, you know, I was trying. And so even if I got everything wrong, let's remember that I tried. Got paid very well. Got paid very well, told everyone that all the decisions need to be coming through me. And then even as other people got it right and I got rid of them for criticizing me, let's understand that I was just trying. And hindsight being 2020, if that I got everything wrong, it's still hindsight's 2020. Well, yeah, that is the game we're playing, trying to learn from what happened. I'm not trying to prosecute you on any of these points. I'm just trying to ask what went right, what went wrong. What do we understand better now and what can we do better next time? Of course, this is Fauci now. Of course, we could have done better. We tried. If you look at what I'm saying in the months before I stepped down and what someone is saying is that what if you are vaccinated and boosted and have available therapy, you're not going to die no matter how old you are. We are very explicit in saying that. All right, moving on. Um, hold on. I just, I want to, I want to hone in on what actually needs to be said as opposed to reading everything. Just give me one second. In the vaccine rollout, do we make a mistake in prioritizing healthcare workers as opposed to seniors? This is so great. This is so great. This is Fauci at his best. I don't know if it was a mistake. A mistake is such a charged word. Fauci made a mistake. People died. Fauci lied. People died. Come on. I don't know if it was a mistake. I think the standard way of protecting people who are at greater risk every day was a sound principle. <laughs> Refuses to even go, yeah, that was a mistake. He literally can't use the words, that was a mistake. Um, all right, what I got? I got two more things to read and then we're done. Uh, then you look at what we didn't do so well. What we didn't do so well is in the infrastructure and communication transparency, all things that go on with public health. We also had a public health system that we thought was really, really good, but it was really good. I mean, it was really, really antiquated. We didn't even know what was going on at a given time. 
Now, I don't want to be criticizing the CDC. In fairness to them, they recognize themselves that they need to bring their public health data collection into the 21st century. And they had a culture that was an academic culture in which we don't say anything until we've essentially written the manuscript and it goes out and it's being published, as opposed to we need to know today what's going on. As a result, in trying to gather information during the pandemic, we had to rely on conference calls in the middle of the night. Oh, this was the thing I just said I wasn't going to read. But I, I love this, too, because now he goes, yeah, we admit that the CDC... Uh, is not up to speed and that we're have antiquated systems, but it was still important that we shut down everybody to listen to us. All right. Last one. Oh no, I already read this. Okay, cool. We're done. We got through it. Now you don't have to sit down and read that whole Fauci piece. You can know that I hand selected everything. And uh, just to recap, uh, Fauci admits that the CDC has antiquated systems that were not prepared to work with this. And even at the beginning of COVID, as they messed up testing and were aware of the fact that the private market could better handle this situation, they continued to make mandates and instructions for everybody. When they were making those instructions, though, and Fauci was just parroting it. It wasn't his responsibility because he was just telling the information from the CDC. He wasn't even involved in those decisions. Literally just the mouthpiece repeating what the organization was coming up with. And when the organization was making those recommendations, I guess he's claiming that they weren't mandates or anything else. They were for other people to then evaluate based off the decisions. I don't remember that being accurate. I remember more uh, um, mandates and talking about uh, how everyone needs to listen and follow the science. And uh, the science at that time, uh, remember, this was pre-COVID, and even though this was a new and especially dangerous virus, we were working with our previous known information of viruses, which is that they don't mutate. So when we rolled out the vaccine, we had no reason to anticipate that that wouldn't give us a robust immunity because prior science was that vaccines don't mutate. And also when we were telling everyone to wear a mask, um, we meant N95s, and we know that People criticized on us and said that the cloths don't work, so there was no reason to do it. Uh, but once again, I guess that wasn't coming for me. So there you go. Fauci, in his own words, has essentially admitted to uh, almost everything that we were screaming at about, except for some of the harsher criticisms, uh, which would include his involvement, the lab leak, relationship with, uh, with these other circles, and of course, whether or not uh, we can bust him for straight up lying. All right, that is our episode. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, back probably on Monday, really trying to stick to Mondays and Wednesdays, 11 a.m. as the schedule, but uh, obviously... I guess every week that I say that that's the schedule and don't keep to it, it makes less sense for me to even declare that that's the time because that's just coming for me. It's just me being annoyed at me for not reaching my own deadline that only I put out there and you guys don't care about. All right. That, 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 that's a me problem. But thank you to our sponsors, YoCranum.com, YoDelta.com, promo code RYM, 20% off, SheathUnderwear.com, greatest underwear that ever graced the balls of man. Also, promo code RYM, 20% off, support the sponsors. They help uh, make this, uh, you know, they, they help make this whole thing viable and that it actually makes me some money so I don't just feel like I'm a completely insane person. Uh, next week in Tampa with uh, Davey Smith, thank you for everyone that came out in Chicago. That was uh, really one of the funnest weekends of uh, the year. And uh, Porch Tour Day, it's going to be con uh, confirmed and uh, coming up soon. Thanks so much for hanging out. Have a good one, everyone. Later, do things. Have a good night. Enjoy your weekend. Go party.